0: The sacred writings of the Baha'i Faith teach that music is a ladder for the soul. I'm Jack Gordon, host of Interfaith-ish, and with this ongoing series of conversations that I'm calling Soul Ladder Music, I invite you to climb with me as we hear songs and stories from a diverse array of musicians who connect sound and spirit. Alsara is a Sudanese-American singer, songwriter, and ethnomusicologist, best known as the leader of the group Alsara and the Nubatones. Born to a Muslim family in Khartoum, Sudan, Alsara's songs are forged from her experience in the diaspora and are alive with messages of empowerment, whether political, cultural, or personal, often all at once. In our conversation, we explore themes of longing and identity and discuss how Alsara strives to live as free as she can, beyond prescribed social conventions. We also listen to some of her treasured musical influences from East Africa all the way to her home in Brooklyn, New York. Alsara's music is a soundtrack to liberation, so I hope you are inspired to get up and move as you enjoy my interview with the inimitable Alsara. Sorry, I just want to say that, you know, your voice is one of those that the first time that I heard it, I thought, oh, man, this is exactly my vibe. The music that you Aww. put out there and the way that you present it and everything. It, I've just been a fan ever since. Thank so, you. Yeah. So, thank you for just enriching my life with such beautiful music over the years. I'm, I'm very excited to talk to you.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to talk to you too.
0: <laughs> so, and this conversation actually is going to be um, uh, fun and a bit different f- because this is the first time that I've interviewed someone about music um, that's in a language that I actually don't understand, I don't speak. So, I'll be, uh, you know, looking for your your uh, uh, confident guiding hand. <laughs> Mm-hmm. as we as we talk through some of the songs, because a lot of the lyrical content i I only have the benefit of you know on an energy level and and the beauty of the music but but the lyrics um I'd love to to explore with you a little bit more and the meaning there mm-hmm. absolutely so so to start i'm i'm you know because of the the sort of overarching idea of this conversation. Um and, and the theme to this series and the show that we do. I'm I'm curious for you if you all had a, a spiritual practice in your home growing up. Was there was there anything that you um a tradition that you adhered to and or, or continue to practice today?
1: Um, I was born into a Muslim household and raised Muslim. Um my family is various degrees of religious so i have uh-huh. members of my family that are very very observant and members that are atheists so we're really we run the gamut in my yeah. house yeah. um but definitely a muslim household um even the pushbacks are from a muslim perspective actually which is <laughs> sure. to to the to the i'm sure the reluctance of the atheist in the house <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I was raised that way. And I kind of I think of uh, religions are to me are not just uh, they're not necessarily only like a, a spiritual practice. In a lot of the ways we live society, a lot of them end up being cultural practices as well. Right. Um, right. And so uh, I consider myself Muslim.
0: In your um, evolution as a person and, and as an artist, how have you developed spiritual practices for yourself? What are the type of spiritual practices that you... Um, adhere to, or or try to manifest.
1: I mean, I think music is my biggest spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know the the act the act of making music with mm. other people mm. uh, like requires a lot of elements that I think are relevant, like are across the board in almost all spiritual practices. You know, elements of listening, of giving generously, of trusting, mm. of uh, sharing. Um, and of uh, working together to build something, you know. So to me, music really always encompassed a lot of that, and it's a space of real healing. Like to me, it's like uh, it's your when you make when you're making songs and you're making music, you're making a sonic picture, mm-hmm. um, and it's beyond just the lyrics. It's colors and moods yeah. and scents. Um, it's a moment in time. Uh so for me it's always been my my go to. Um it's always been a refuge since a very young age. I've been a very sound and story oriented person. I love stories, I love songs. Um and I think they go together. Um mm-hmm. I don't see them as separate really. Yeah. Um, so for me that's been my biggest spiritual practice. And for me like um I think Islam is really like a, an anchor around which my my how do I say? My movement in the world happens. Okay. Um, my moral compass, I think, is set around it. And for me, a big part of my attachment to it still is that it's, to me, Islam is how you treat other people and how you engage mm. with people. And that is love in action. And so that, to me, is uh, something that you can take beyond the confines of the institution of a religion and into the bigger world of, of how you deal and interact with everything around you. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah.
0: Great. And you were talking about collaboration. You sing with your sister Nahid, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and that must be a very special bond that you all have together uh, to be able to perform together.
1: No, it's, it's amazing. It's wonderful to be able to work with your family, you know, and it's wonderful when family is both blood and chosen, Mm. Um, so it's it's an exciting practice because it's you're developing on all the years and you spent talking, you know, singing together. <laughs> right. you know, I'm ser- you know, like a yeah. singing together is a lot of you know singers when you are trying to practice with other people. You have to come in and practice all the time because you don't mm. spend. You're basically trying to compensate for what you have naturally with someone you grew up in the same house with,
2: which Mm, is, you're very
1: familiar with each other's sound vibrations. um, And, and, and so you are able to fit with them in a way that's beyond just like a, a a practice of every, a couple of hours every week, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so that kind of intimacy, you, you can't make up for it. It's just time builds it.
0: Yeah. Did you sing with each other at a very early age? Was that was there always music in your your household in that way?
1: Yeah, we always sang together. We had a piano um in the house growing up um and uh, my mom and my dad love music they don't play any music but they love music and so mm. and my sister and they, my mother especially really encouraged my sister and i to develop like artistic hobbies so my sister was more into theater with mm. music i was more into music but i like to do the backstage stuff of theater like costuming <laughs> and stuff like that i can um, see that
0: theatricality
1: <laughs> totally like i love to be backstage in the theater she loves to be in the front and like she's a great dancer and a great singer and you know so She's just, and I love to make music. And I, so it was, it was, um, we always encouraged each other's creativity from a very young age. Beautiful. And had also always had her own like world. She like was, had this capacity to create worlds and like suck you into it. So I feel mm. like I was. Uh, Privileged to be under her spell quite often.
0: <laughs> is she the older sister or the younger one? She's
1: actually the younger sister. <laughs> oh,
0: really? Wow. Okay. Okay. That's a special she, thing then to have it the is. younger well, one. Well, she do was that always magnet.
1: very extroverted and magnetic, and I was always extremely <laughs> shy and introverted. And then when <laughs> we got older, somehow our personas on stage, like we kind of switched a little bit.
0: <laughs> Interesting. On
1: stage, wow. we're still the same way. You'll see, she's very big and vivacious, and I'm still
0: yeah, very, like,
1: yeah. She's. <laughs> And well, she, has, she has a couple
0: inches on you also right she does she's the giant it, my whole
1: family has a couple of inches on me it's like the biggest <laughs> joke in our family i'm super short and my mom and my dad and my sister are super tall
0: <laughs> amazing but i like to
1: think i make up for it in personality that's right
0: right a big front and center personality there exactly <laughs> Talked a little bit about about the um, the intertwining of of culture and and religious tradition and how you know there's sort of a blend there that happens also certainly I, I imagine that happens you know with music and the music tradition and I wanted to just hear from you a little bit about um, when you think about um, your your Sudanese culture and and how to how. The musical tradition exists there, maybe as a spiritual practice as well. Could you reflect on some of that?
1: Well, music has... There's a lot of different kinds of music in Sudan. Um, And there is music that is specifically allocated to the spiritual practices. Mm. And the rest of it is not. So I I don't really... I like to make sure that that's a distinction for a lot of people. And a lot of the music I draw from is not spiritual music at all. It's Mm. very secular music. uh, It's love songs. It's women's songs. It's um, folk songs from the center. Mm. Sometimes from the West. Sometimes from the North. Um, But there is over a hundred different tribes and ethnic groups in sudan and each of them mm. has their own genres of music cultural practices and kinds of music that go with different times of year and different practices mm. so mm. um yeah my music is definitely secular in nature but i think this the, the separation of secular and spiritual to me are arbitrary to be
0: honest <laughs> share a little bit more about that, because I think that that's actually been a theme in these conversations as well. How is it that that particularly for folks, and and most of the people that I've been talking to, you know, don't necessarily consider themselves to be overtly, you know, religious in the in the musical content that they're creating. But like you are talking about the, you know, how it can be this spiritual exercise, you know, of creating music with people. I'm curious about for some of the Traditions that you draw from or or the music that you've felt a close kinship with how how you see the spirit that exists in that
1: Well, I see the spirit of the people who made it mm. You know, and these are people that all have their own spiritual practices and they're all moving through life navigating the the the, the ups the downs the hardships the lessons the the joys the grief Um and I think this separation of the spiritual and the secular is part of our kind of, um, it's part of this judo-Christian-Abrahamic tendency we've developed and path we've mm. moved down of separating the mind from the body mm. and looking at the body as something inherently base and inherently dirty in a way or inherently uh, debasing Um, when I kind of I believe that the body and the mind are not separate and I think the health of one and the other are really intertwined Mm -hmm. Um, and I think how we navigate our way towards our conversations with God happens from the body and and the mind together you cannot separate them you Mm -hmm. can you can try to, because I, I think all of, all of the practices of, of physical discipline are really, you know, from fasting to, to, to whirling to meditating, um, to even self flagellation, you know, are mm. all practices of some people think of it as numbing the body. I think of it as actually creating a unison between the body and the mind mm. that's, that happens in a place of detachment. Yeah. Um and I think because only through that union are you really able to sit true with what's around you. Mm. Um and sit in it and with it, not just a ar- you know out of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um so for me the, the the entire act of living is a spiritual practice. Um so inherently anything you make with it is going to be spiritual. Um mm. especially if it's true to you unless you're regurgitating something under you know like i don't know under a gun or something but even then mm-hmm. actually i bet you that's an even more intense practice
0: yeah well, you're right there on the yeah you're on the yeah, edge, on the brink. Death, yeah. Right? i was like god fear is
1: gonna do some things to you yeah um yeah. that's also a holy visitor you know <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm a همومك في the sea,
0: to jump into some of your music here you have this this beautiful new song out um uh, please forgive my pronunciation farasha
1: yeah you did it right
0: great and if i found the translation correctly it means butterfly am i right about that
1: that is very true
0: so what is the story that you're telling with that song
1: so with that song um i'm basically uh it's a song an ode to like Uh, feminine resiliency and perseverance Mm. and complexity um, especially in the Sudanese woman but really to that energy in all of us uh, regardless of the gender we identify with Mm. Um, and it's a commentary really also on the way our culture tries to repress that energy Mm. and that spirit in us and I liken the that energy to the butterfly and to the carefreeness of the butterfly so the song, song is about a butterfly dancing between flowers and drinking from the morning dew and mm-hmm. leaving its worries behind um, and then the rapper comes in and discusses things around um, um, around the sacrifices of women, around women being sacrificed in the name of religion. Um, Mm. uh, There is um, a lot of strong symbology in there. And for me, it's also drawing from a canon of of Sudanese songs and poems that liken um, Sudan to a beautiful woman Mm. and discuss her her path to freedom in that way also. So for me, it was drawing from all of those together um, mentally as I create this new symbology of a butterfly and flying free from a lot of what happens to us.
0: And I love looking at the, the, the video that you've created with this song, It articulates a lot of the things that you're you're talking about so beautifully and evocatively. There are all these these wonderful tableaus that that you and your team have created. You know, you were talking about the connection of uh, the mind and body and and this idea of, you know, incorporating dance and and the fashion and everything that's that's in there. Um, If you can reflect on 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 some of the ideas that you had in that video.
1: Yeah, these are all May Jizuli's idea, our creative a director um, wow. and visionary. She is one of a kind. She's a Sunni's woman, an artist, multimedia artist, um, based in Cairo at the moment um, from Khartoum. And she's really, uh, this is my second time working with her. I think mm. she's one of the most brilliant creatives to ever come out of sudan and honestly that i've ever met um <laughs> and i trusted her with this song because i'd also trusted her with the vision for men Anna song that i did with her in 2020 um because mm. i knew she has this superpower of hearing me describe things sonically um mm. and understanding exactly how to reference it Visually, yeah. um, so she was drawing from a lot of old photographs and drawings of different uh, scenarios from around Sudan of Sudanese women mm. and really um and and abstracting them somewhat and and bringing them up to date in a way that still maintained their retro vintageness so you couldn't mistake them but made them almost new wave and afro futuristic, yeah. Um yeah. And we had the chance to work with an incredible stylist and costumer, uh, Ahmed Surour, who's um an Egyptian uh stylist and creative. Uh our set designer is a Sudanese visual artist named Ahmed Omar who's based mm. in Norway. Um the whole team came together in Egypt last year to shoot this together. Oh, um, I was where... going to
0: ask because it look some of those the landscapes particularly as you're talking about in sort of the the last act of the song as it were where where um what's what's the name of the rapper that's on the on the track?
1: Flippter. Flippter.
0: One Flippter of' the, one at, of
1: the best uh, rappers out of Sudan, in my opinion also
0: and and I'm just thinking like where did they film this on the moon? It looks you know the 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 landscape around and and you really there's i think it's one uncut shot right that's mm-hmm. going with it's hand. one
1: shot isn't that and, genius?
0: it's It's beautifully done. and just I'm thinking this landscape goes on forever, you know, um, so such a a, a beautiful space to 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 capture filming in and And I remember just that one moment where you're following flipped her along, and then the camera tilts down very quickly to see the woman there with with the red fabric spilling mm-hmm. out of her, you know, evoking this idea of of blood coming mm-hmm. coming from the woman and and it was such a shocking thing and then it goes right back to to flip for the end of the song and i just thought wow i mean really an incredible an incredible visual there but all of it like you're saying those 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 images you could see the old photos the the group shots the vintage photos of the women sitting together Um,
1: yeah and we really wanted to make sure we represented a a diverse array of sudanese womanhood we would have mm. loved to have even more if we had the opportunity and the budget but that's what we did. And the soundtrack was produced by a music producer named Sufyan, mm. um, who's also Sudanese. So it's kind of like an all-Sudanese team. I love and it. And great. The track samples field recordings that I gathered um, back in 2011 or 12 mm. while I was working on a documentary called Beats of the Antonov. Um, with a Sunni filmmaker named Hadjouj Kukka. Uh, and it's you can see it online. It's a documentary that uh, discusses uh, the role of music um, uh, in preserving identity during times of war, especially inside internal civil wars, like the one that was happening in Sudan at the time. Basically, the gov- the the former government attacking the Nuba Mountains and the Blue Nile region mm-hmm. as a last form, you know, as their latest forms of violence internally. So uh, I really wanted to make a sound that I felt like was uniquely ours and free, free of any restrictions or attempts at imitation. Mm. Um, just inspired by our, of course, presence, uh, our, our um, awareness of the world around us, but very much of Sudan, by Sudan, for Sudan. And... Um, I was happy to be able to put together such a great team and for all of us to be able to pull it off together.
0: Of your other songs, uh, ya Watan, The translation I found for some of the lines in that was, "Where is the homeland? Where is the time?" Um, is that is that close? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think some of the themes that I took from this uh, are connecting to some of what you were just talking about—the history of Sudan and the, you know, some of the political strife that was there. Is that is that accurate?
1: Yeah, and I think also for me it was more personal than that. Mostly about the tension of of also being uh, of being ejected out of the country Mm. um, because of all of that strife and that tension and then what happens after that in the diaspora of the distance the separation the longing and the realization that that camaraderie and familiarity isn't what it used to be the tension Mm. of all of that um, a feeling like dried up uh, like a brittle tree bark almost. Mm. Um, So it's a song around that, about that tension for me.
0: What was the the conditions in which your family had to leave Sudan when you you were young?
1: Yeah, I was young. My family left Sudan after the coup. My parents were both political activists. So Mm. we had to escape the country, and we ended up in Yemen for a little while. And then there was... uh, a war that broke up broke out in Yemen in the early 90s for for like a month or two and we got deported from there so we sort of we arrived here as refugees actually Mm. um and then went through the gamut of the arbitrary paperwork that happens with that from you know from being illegal to being legal to dipping in and out of that and makes you realize how um so many people's lives are stopped just on paperwork Not about anything else really, just paperwork and circumstance.
0: You said you were you were an adolescent during it sounds like during those years, yeah?
1: Mm, Yeah, I arrived here when I was twelve.
0: That's a disruptive time for any young person anyway, right? Just because of the life experience and going through this this period of maturity, going through, you know, going from childhood to adulthood. What were what were some of the things that in your family kept you strong during that disruptive period for you?
1: I mean, my family themselves. I'm really lucky that I came here with my family, my whole family unit, my mom, my dad, and my sister. Mm. So we had each other for support. And my parents were highly educated people, so they were able to... Navigate the system, I think, easier than a lot of others, and they, you know, they went back to school right away because um, they understood immediately that the American system is too racist to recognize any of their higher degrees from anywhere mm.
2: else.
1: Mm. Um, so we were actually all in school together. We all, when I graduated from university, they also graduated. <laughs> hey,
0: all right, at,
1: from different universities, obviously, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they yeah. they got their PhDs and I got my VA all at wow. the same time
0: amazing So like
1: we had a big each party. other. <laughs> yeah, it was a big party. <laughs> so we really had each other for that, yeah. you know, for that process and it's different than a lot of other folks. So it was yeah. um I was privileged in that sense. I was very yeah. privileged.
0: Yeah. What a gift to be able to to have that to have gone through that experience like you're saying at least together and to mm-hmm. be able to then celebrate, you know, at at at, I'm sure not not the end necessarily, but but one one further step towards something that you shared together. That's true.
2: في Gotchaอก أشهدتها في to play في and did it. نفس Point وإنها It's فوق الجمال hear في صورة اشهدتها في حالة في موضع لذو نفس وانها فوق الجمال
0: one of the songs that you you shared as a as a piece of inspiration Hamza al-Din el al- Anga? Is that right? Al-Anqa 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 um, Ka
1: Yeah, al Anka.
0: Al-Anqa mm-hmm. um, The translation the I Griffin. found for that was the Griffin mm-hmm. Yeah I looked up, looked up Hamza al-Din, a performer from the Nubian region of Egypt who I learned collaborated with some American musicians like the Grateful Dead and Kronos Quartet That's pretty cool too mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about your, your connection with, with his music Why did you select this song? As an Nubian
1: person in the diaspora, Nubia really, um, the its borders are between North Sudan and Southern Egypt. It was its own country for a long time, or region, um, or empire. And um, our our displacement started internally first. Uh, before I even went through this other displacement of coming to the States. Um, so, you know, it started in my grandfather's time when the high dam was built, mm. um, which was the third in a series of dams. It really changed the region and it caused one of the largest mass displacements of Nubian people in their history, um, in our history. And so that's how my family ended up in Khartoum, but half my family is also in Egypt. Mm. So for me, as when I started to really come into my own musical. Sound and taste, I mean, I grew up with a lot of Nubian music around me, but I also took really coming into it in as a young adult who's practicing music more and having another form of displacement that's much closer to me sure. um it was. It was a really healing experience to realize that between you know that there's a whole body of music about this experience of displacement there's a whole genre called or the songs of return um, and there's composers that are have already walked this path and left gems and lessons for me to learn from and to to make me feel like i'm not so alone in it um so, for me, it's always he's been a a real guiding light in that how yeah. to carry home with you
0: one of the other songs that you put on your list, Al Farag translates to the separation is that right mm-hmm. mm-hmm. what What is the separation that you're referring to in this song? Is this also on a similar theme?
1: Yeah, for me, this song is really about the 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 space of memory and remembering um Because the thing about miss, or not really memory and remembering, it's more memory and remembering in relationship to missing. Mm. Um, So it's to me uh, like a a reflection and almost like a question mark around the different stages of missing. Because I think, you know, for me at least, you know, I feel like we think of missing as this one thing. You miss something, you miss someone, you miss somewhere. And, like, it's a one-dimensional space. Whereas, for me, like, missing is, like, a multi-chaptered thing that happens. And you start... For me, it starts with this... The most intense and first phase of missing where you miss something or someone so much, you're not sure your body or your spirit can even contain all of that missing. And then you go to another phase in your life with this missing and this separation where you start to become accustomed to the missing and as you're becoming more and more accustomed to it you be, you know you just kind of walk around with it every day it's part of your daily weight that you carry mm. and it you know and it becomes almost like a characteristic in your personality mm. and then there's another phase that happens later on after that that's usually really scary for me anyways which is where you become so accustomed to the missing you start to forget that you are missing anything or anyone you start to not see the missing you start to not feel the missing And it makes you, like, miss the feeling and the pain of missing because it makes you, at least it makes me feel like if I remember that pain again, it will make that memory more real again, closer again, more uh, attainable again.
0: Uh, any uh, practices in your daily life that you that you go to to um, heal if you feel like you need healing, but but also sit with those emotions and reckon with them?
1: Um, I don't have a daily practice to be honest. I mean, mm. not one that I'm conscious of. I mm. feel like um, my daily practice. I have a, a, a motto of cultivating joy in my life. Um, mm. in general. Which means having no day job, and
0: um, <laughs> that's pretty good. That's a that's good a, way to set that's, that up.
1: That's the first one, and that really works <laughs> uh-huh. um, really choosing myself and what I need for me. Mm. Um, and just kind of being in sync with my ideas of 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 success of Mm. what a beautiful life looks like a successful life looks like what's an appropriate schedule what's not an appropriate schedule um i don't live like anybody else i know (laughs) and i don't want to live like anybody else i know and for me the idea here is to leave this world having at least gotten to know yourself as well Mm. as you possibly can because i feel like we spend a lot of our lives a lot of our life kind of Not really knowing ourselves very truly. We just have ideas and presumptions about ourselves. So really like reflecting on yourself as a daily practice, I think. And that comes through how you interact with other people in your daily practice. Taking care of something. My plants and my... I have a a lot of plants and trees in my house, um, in my apartment. And uh, I I wake up and hang out with them at four in the morning every day. So (laughs) I guess that could be considered a daily practice. But then I go back to bed, you know, I don't know. (laughs) But I don't even think of it that way. I'm just like, and sometimes I don't, you know. I'm not a like, I don't believe in this like rigorous discipline thing. I don't, Uh you know, I'm more of a path of the heathen type of vibe.
0: It's okay. You can have your 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 fudger with your plants, right? You can do your, exactly. your plant lady fudger. <laughs>
1: exactly. I was like, we hey, have a nice chat. Have some tea. Go back to bed.
0: <laughs> amazing, amazing. Do you feel like that that's been like a hard one experience uh, in your life uh, that that's just sort of come through years of of living, or or do you feel like you've always known that about yourself from a very young age that this is who you are? this is th- having the confidence to live life uh in that free way that that feels right for you
1: i don't really know if it's confidence so much as like i knew the the status quo is not something i could survive
2: mm.
1: like i don't i can't survive the regular life that people are living like i would kill myself to be frank mm. um and i don't mean that as a reflection on them but i know like my personal psyche my tendency towards dips of darkness and self-existence mm-hmm. i can't do that i also can't unsee the fact that i'm a slave in that system i'm mm-hmm. a con- conscious of it here as we're living through capitalism constantly like but to interact up against it in a corporate setting every day would absolutely kill me mm-hmm. um and, I mean, I've proven that by getting myself fired from multiple jobs.
0: <laughs> and so I'm just like... <laughs> You've got the pink slips to prove it.
1: Exactly, homie. <laughs> like, there's, like, I have a threshold and then I will snap and I don't care if you're my boss. Like, mm. <laughs> and so, I, it was, I would love to pretend it was, like, bravery. <laughs> but it was, bra- it was, like... I wanted it bad enough and I committed to it. And I knew that I would rather struggle in this way than struggle in that other way.
0: Right, right. The struggle is, is you're going to struggle no matter it. what.
1: Yeah, right. like, cause this isn't an easy life. And sometimes I wake up and I'm like, why the hell did I do this?
0: <laughs> why did I do
1: this? This is the worst idea I've ever had. Like, <laughs> but then I'm just like, eh, it yeah. is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. everybody's got their gripes.
0: No I think that that's that's an important thing you know i have a um, a young daughter who's who's about eleven right and so her her understanding of the world is starting to shift right from from that just everything is you know sort of provided to to I have capacity, I have responsibility, I have agency
2: mm-hmm.
0: and you know even even simple things about choices about homework or choices about you know we have a prayer practice that we share as a family we have certain things you know cleaning up your room taking out the trash all of these ultimately are choices right that these are mm-hmm. these are things that and you can choose not to do certain things and you can choose to do other things instead but there's you have to be okay with what the consequences are of what those mm-hmm. choices are exactly and sometimes they're gifts and sometimes they Get slapped in the face. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I encourage everyone
1: to try not doing things and then doing things at a really right. young age. I think it's important to get slapped around by like consequences younger than older. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm happy. I was not a disciplined person. I was chaotic. I was all over the place. I made wrong choices all the time. And mm. I enjoyed every single one of my failures (laughs) because you know what now when i don't do something it is out of a deep conviction i'm just like no i tried i tried that i don't like that i don't like that (laughs) and no one can convince you or push you then because you're like no i really know i don't like that (laughs) like so i think it's a gift to try life
0: yeah that's beautiful i love i'm gonna put that put that on a banner and just hang it up on on the wall to look at every morning (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. Oh, you need a body to you
0: I want to get into this other um musician that you shared uh Bikidude. is B-K-Dude. B-K-Dude. Mm-hmm. um Alamina Dura Mhm Alamina Dura Bikidude is a Zanzibari singer who I learned toured until she was like 100 103 something yeah. like that that's what an yeah. incredible life I yeah, found I know. this I found this video of her performing the, the song that you selected um, probably not long before she died. She was in a bright green dress, uh, she was dancing, she was smoking a cigarette in the studio like a G. <laughs> I mean, what a performer. Exactly.
1: She's my hero. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be just like her until I die. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How did you encounter uh, B. Dude?
1: When I first moved to New York in 2004, Um, I was freelancing as a singer. I was just kind of trying out my hand at this singing thing for a living. And I was just, you know, I was a singer for hire. And around 2006, I got invited by this uh, um, Albanian-American accordion player named Ishmael Butera to join a project he started called The Sounds of Tarab. And I was like, what is this? And he's like, it's uh, a kind of fusion music that grew up in Zanzibar, um, due to the colonization of the Omani Empire there. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, and their enslavement of a lot of people from East Africa, the Arab uh, slave system through East Africa is something that is not addressed Mm -hmm. or spoken about very often, but a real thing. Anyway, so this music kind of grew up in the royal courts of the sultans, um, as practice and they would, Train um, enslaved people from Zanzibar and from the eastern coast of Kenya to play the the songs for them, and you know, like a lot of other musicians for hire. And then eventually, the sound trickled down into the general public, um, and all these. Orchestras started to spring up that would do the music. At first, the songs, when they were done in in, in like in the royal courts back in the 1800s, would be done in Arabic and classical Arabic. Mm. And eventually, as they trickled down into the general public, they started to be done in um, in Swahili, and the 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 melodies started to add like cover songs from India from different parts of the Levantine as they would get incorporated and translated into this style of music and then original music started to be written around it so I did some research in there and because a lot of the melodic vocabulary is close to Arabic uh, classical stuff um, and a lot of it is also pentatonic I was used to it so it was not used to it it was familiar enough to me that I could train myself in singing it. So I just went down a whole path of yeah. research and memorization. I'm hearing
0: and the I ta- come out. I love it. Oh
1: man, the nerd in me had a good <laughs> ass time. I prepared for this. I studied for about a year and I taught myself how to sing in Sawahili. And I taught myself about 15 different songs and quickly became... Obsessed with Douday, mm. and she became like an icon for me kind of like for me my icons are Grace Jones and Douday. they are extensions wow. of one another as yeah. far as I'm concerned yeah. you know and that's exactly how I felt on the inside I felt like a combination of these two women and I was like that's the kind of life that I aspire for a life so wild and free and that I know myself to that point these are two women that knew themselves beyond the shadow of a doubt, mm. and continue to like follow their dreams. Really, I mean, until now, because they did it until she died. Grace Jones is still very much alive. Right, had a huge comeback and became another another mega superstar when all of her like colleagues died, like right heroes.
0: And yeah, I mean, if you can get up to three digits, you know that's. <laughs>
1: Exactly. That's <laughs> when people are like, you know, don't smoke, don't do this. I'm like, no, don't be sad. That's the, <laughs> the way people die is by being sad. Just stop being sad.
0: <laughs> Just keep dancing. Just keep, keep dancing. dancing.
1: Cultivate your joy. Say no more often, mm. you know, and say yes also more often. Do both like stop people pleasing, but also start like trying new things. Stay alive. How's your joy?
0: (laughs) I I think my favorite part of of watching that video was she, I'm watching the first part of it and she's sitting down. She's in this couch sitting down. And and I so I thought, oh man, you know that's amazing. She's in the she's in the studio. Her voice is so strong, but you know her body must still but must be so frail, you know, being this old. And then later in the video, she just standing up, moving, shaking it. And I said, no, she just wanted to sit down. She said, this yeah. I'm, I'm sitting down for this for this take.
1: <laughs> she does whatever she wants. If you go down the internet, there's videos of her teaching. You know, like there's this kind of music, traditional music, and and like. Bridal preparation thing that happens mm-hmm. around wedding called the ngoma, and basically the elder woman will and un, like and her colleagues um, teach the younger women and the bride to be how to dance and how to please her husband in a way. There's videos of her teaching people in case you want to see.
0: Wow! Well, wow! Well.
1: Yeah, a- and-, and at that age, at like a hundred, yeah, so that was still something she did.
0: Yeah, oof! What an inspiration. I love it.
1: Exactly.
0: Um, I I hope I can stick around to see you at at a hundred. I'm gonna try to keep up with you.
1: <laughs> I hope I make. It. I feel like if I make it through fi- like to 56, after that it's just it's, it's all just- gonna be <laughs> It's all it's all fun and games after 56.
0: <laughs> what a great life take. That's amazing. Amazing.
1: <clears throat> so you know, take it one step at a time. <laughs>
0: Well, uh, speaking of inspirations and 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 mentors and models, you put Toshi Reagan on on your list also. Absolutely. Um, obviously, a, a force of nature, a spiritual force. I'm late to the game, so I was I was familiar just with her through her opera for Parable of the Sower um, mm. and the amazing podcast that she did with Adrian Marie Brown. Um, but it seems like you have a, a really close relationship with Toshi and her family
1: um yeah i mean Toshi is is a mentor we've been working together i mean she's been mentoring me for many 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 years we did a a small project that was never released actually many years ago but beyond that she's a dear friend and like a guiding light and a a preacher and an, an mm. inspiration um it's really amazing to witness someone so consciously and generously cultivate community through music and do it in a way that really looks at all the different aspects of the what needs to be cultivated in the spirit and the body and you know and to me like a really poignant work is the 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 long water song that I sent you the um, which is basically a meditation like marine mammal meditations with a biologist with a marine biologist and I was in the studio while she was working on the music and working on that. She oh, wow. found the marine biologist. She had stumbled on her work. How? I'm just like, why are you aware of marine biologists? But and keeping tabs on them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> one of many.
1: <laughs> exactly. One of her many superpowers. And you know, so I was in the studio listening when she was working on it. I'm just like I was crying when she was working on the held um track. It was mm. just like Toshi's superpower is to, I think, touch a part of you that is tender that you don't even know is tender mm. and have it happen so um, unassumingly. Yeah yeah, and yeah. that that's that's an amazing thing to have the privilege to be able to hear, to be able to to learn from, to be able to grow around.
2: There is something called love I would say remember There is something called freedom even if you can't see it yeah.
0: As we're wrapping up here, I'm so appreciative of your of your time and um, and and all the stories that you've shared. The name of this series, uh, Soul Ladder Music, is coming from uh, a quote from the holy writings of the Baha'i Faith that says that
1: oh, nice.
0: that says that music is a ladder for our souls. God has made music as a ladder for our souls, and. I wanted to hear from you what what connects with you with that image. If you think about that image of music being a ladder for our souls, how does that hit you?
1: How does that hit me? Um I don't know. I guess I I I, I guess I I actually I don't really resonate with the image of the ladder. Okay. <laughs> to be really honest, because sure. for me like um Music and sound in general hits your every cell in your body at the same time, so I I think of it more as a, a washing over. Mm. Um, so I guess I think of music, uh, but which I mean the latter could also be that where you're climbing out of things. For me, it's like a washing over, so it's like a rinsing of everything oh. off.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. So it's it's a bath for me. <laughs>
0: i love that that's great that's a great feeling have you had that experience recently has there been anybody that you've listened to recently or or even an old favorite that's really felt that washing over you
1: it's really hard to say because it's like i do dedicated listening time (laughs) how do you mean well like because i am i am really sensitive to music in general so like when i listen i get really easily distracted from anything else so i can't listen to like i can't do other things when i listen to music so oh. i listen for an hour every day with my big headphones on so the whole experience is always about washing over me
0: wow that's it's actually very illuminating i was having a conversation with another artist recently who was I thought, oh, this person would be really perfect for for our conversations. You know, her music is like just touches my core in this sort of way and And the feedback from her was was, well, I, you know, it's hard for me to come up with these tracks that you're talking about, you know, as prompts, you know, to have a conversation. I thought, what's well, so strange? Like why wouldn't a musician just be able to throw out like a million different types of songs but But what I'm hearing. You know if i'm if I'm sort of connecting pieces of 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 what she said and and hearing your experience that I think what I'm not taking into account is is again that all consuming feeling right that you were talking about before of how music is not just words and sound but it's color and 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 you know a, a full sensory experience and how total that that can be mm-hmm. is it I mean, do you feel like you are that, are you able to enjoy um, uh, music casually as you move through the world? Or, or does it feel like it is that type of distraction?
1: Um, it depends. Um, overly formulaic music is I'm able to ignore because uh, hmm. I, can, I can find the formula in the first five seconds. And then I can just ignore the rest of the song. You're I've talking about like it. pop
0: hits, just stuff that's on the store when you're walking Well, I,
1: I wouldn't say all pop hits. Some pop hits are really, really exciting um mm. and will distract me. Um But most pop, most stuff that's, that's out there is a regurgitation of one or two formulas. Mm-hmm. And it's like knowing a, ma- a math game or a formula game, you know, I'm just like once... If I, I can, if I can count the formula right away, I don't need to hear it's it. It's not exciting. Uh-huh. It's not exciting at all. I already know what's happening at the end of the song. <laughs> Why are we even doing this anymore? So it just becomes background uh-huh. noise. I can ignore it. Uh huh. Um, but there is some things, even when they are pop and they are from a formula, they take really exciting twists and turns within that. And, and you can hear that difference.
0: Can you think of an example? I'm just so curious, like what, what resonated for you uh, for something, you know, that's, uh, would be, uh, a, a more of a mainstream thing.
1: Like I can dismiss pretty much a lot of hip hop, but I remember when Kendrick Lamar's first album came out, I was, inc- I was distracted in the store.
2: Mm.
1: I was like, what's happening here? Who's this? like this is interesting and it's not something I I don't really listen to hip hop that much. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I, because the formula is I always feel like I just didn't go anywhere after the first 10 seconds I'm done. Like, and sometimes lyrically you can go somewhere, but oftentimes we don't. Um, unfortunately with, especially with the pop stuff, but with this, it felt like I was going somewhere musically, lyrically. Um, so it was really capturing right away for, you know, for pop sound. Um, who else makes really good pop music uh oh like that 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 band La Rue. they make very good pop music and it's very formulaic, but it's very good like and you it's very fun to listen to <laughs> um
0: <laughs> I think it's i i what so then what would be the distinction between that? and then you know cuz you were talking about at the beginning of our conversation of Sudanese music also having you know this this pop tradition love songs and mm-hmm. things that they so yeah, and is, it has
1: formulas in it does it also you,
0: fall into that yes. category for you that you just it's not it's not connecting with you in that same yeah, way yeah
1: there's a lot of garbage pop out there that's regurgitations of other things trying to maintain the same pop status quo that's all over Sudanese media and i it's it just it's I I know what's happening in the first five seconds. And mm. I just go skip, 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 <laughs> skip. <laughs> I don't be, like, to me, tradition isn't something sacred. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I really want to clarify that. Because people, I think, confuse something old for being something that we can't change or we are forced to enjoy. I was like, just because it old, it's old doesn't mean it's sacred. Like, yeah. I'm just like... Some old stuff sucks. <laughs> right.
0: right. <laughs> There's a reason some things were forgotten about. <laughs> yeah,
1: and even if they're not forgotten, sometimes things are held up through political intentions. Mm. You know what I mean? Like a lot of things is like taught to us in schools because a white person liked a white man liked this other white man's opinion and so it's been sold to us as a standard of greatness when it's not. Mm. You know, so to me it's just like no, I I it's up to me what I think is great. It's never up to anybody else. And right. I think everyone should behave that way. If we did that and we actually really though also cultivated the tools of figuring out what makes things great for you and why mm. and analyze that so you'll know where your agendas and prejudices are, we can maybe have more honest conversations about everything in art.
0: Yeah. Yeah
1: and spirituality because uh, a lot of people just regurgitate religious crap that they don't even i'm like are you listening to what you're saying oh like,
0: are you kidding i mean that's that's probably the the first uh uh perpetuator of just blindly repeating things without really sitting and thinking about the effect of it right amen yeah One piece of uh, music that really resonated with me recently that I encountered is your is your new project Masafa. It's an EP that you've put out with that, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, with my bandmate um, Sarah Michaels. Yeah, thank you. I really that project is close to my heart. Um, it's and a very you're moving in a, a different
0: direction with it in terms of the instrumentation and so forth, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's an electronic trip hop project. I wanted to create a Sudanese trip hop sound. Um, And Sarah Michaels is an incredible multi-instrumentalist and producer Um, and it's it's just a chance to write in a slightly more tender softer way Um, I'm still with the Nubatons we're still doing we're work you know we just finished our third album yeah we're just kind of trying to figure out ways to put it out so I'm trying to basically um, become the mosaic of everything I love
0: what a great manifestation uh, of life, <laughs> just to be that. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, I, I I wish you so much success with with Masafa, with uh, the new single Farasha, and and with the n- new work that you're putting out with the new batons. I, it's it's a it's a gift to the world that you're living as free as you as you want to be.
1: <laughs> thank you, thank you for that. I'm glad to hear you think it's, it's a gift. Oh. <laughs> Some people are like, that sounds crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're out of their mind if they think it's anything other than beauty that's being put out in the world. <laughs> thank yeah. you for that. Yeah. And
1: thank you for the interview and for taking the time to talk to me. Um, I really enjoyed speaking with you.
0: Yeah, likewise, likewise, thank you. And um, I hope to, to I've, I've seen you in concert before and I look forward to hopefully seeing you in concert again here in DC or elsewhere.
1: Thank you, I'm hoping for the same thing as well.
0: Thanks for making the climb with me this week on Soul Ladder Music. You can listen to Alsara's music with her band, The Nubatones and her new project, Masafa on Spotify. Just search for Alsara, A-L-S-A-R-A-H. And while you're there, check out the Soul Ladder Music Playlist for a running list of all the music played during this series. As always, I'll have links to all the songs in this episode in our show notes. Thanks to Jeff Philosopher for providing our theme music and to Associate Producer Aiden Keys. Keep tuning in to WOWD 94.3 FM, Tacoma Radio, For great music and programs seven days a week, streaming online at TacomaRadio.org.